RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. circle back and, and talk to the preacher from the day before and explore kind of in further depth what the, the, the sermon looked like. And my favorite part of this is we don't tell Jeff the questions we're going to ask him ahead of time. So you have to just roll with wherever it is that I go with this. Um, but definitely always uh, excited to, to talk to you and love when we talk about the sermon. I'm really excited about this passage and the sermon. I love Proverbs and Proverbs 31 has played such a conversation role in my life as you figure out what it looks like to uh, become a woman and and the church has used Proverbs 31 a lot of times. So I'm excited for us to have some deeper conversation about this passage. Um, I do feel like before I let you speak, Jeff, I feel like I need to clarify just a couple points on the dog story yesterday. I feel like I need to clear my name. Just so everybody knows, it turns out the door was wide open. The dog had dropped his ball and he wanted me to get the ball and throw it. And that's why he was barking. He wasn't locked outside. He wasn't, there wasn't anything shut in the door. I just, I want to be really clear. My dog lives a very lovely life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Duh. What does Shakespeare say? Doth thou protest too much? Well, I tried to stick up for myself in your sermon and you let me know it was not the appropriate time for me to defend <laughs> myself. Yeah, you got kind of shut down. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a boldly like positive, like, you know, for women, speak out, live your best life. I just shut you down really quickly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You're like hypocrite, hypocrite. <laughs> That's valid. A paradox for sure. I hadn't thought about. <laughs> well, it's so funny when, when I got home, my children are like, is that how it, did you have the dog shut outside? And I said, well, as you know, sometimes the preacher exaggerates the story just a little bit for effect. That's what you said on the zoom call. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the door was open. He was fine. He was living his best life, except for he this, he couldn't reach his but ball. He was he barking a lot. He, he was he barking. Was. I have he wanted he wanted my attention. And, yes, yes. And he's without a tail. He is, which we adopted him that way. When uh, we adopted uh, him, he didn't have sheep. the tail. <laughs> yes. So that so he, our sheep wouldn't step on him. So our sheep the, slash the basic children. facts are all true. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, but I did, I do as much as people are interested in the dog part of the story. I just, the, the 
beauty of the story is, and you're right, you made this point yesterday, that Elena is so serious and she's not one, like there are definitely people on staff that are constantly throwing jokes in the staff meeting. Elena is not typically one of them. I literally, when she said, do you know where you can get your dog a new tail? I honestly thought she was going to tell us about some kind of vet therapy. <laughs> so when she said, a retail store. <laughs> I was dying. Yeah, it was, it was and Ellen is such a dog person, you know, and Tegan, her dog is just, you know, she loves that dog so much. I, I thought maybe that was too. That was, it was so shocking. It was, it was beautiful. It was so well, it was just so well done. I'm, I'm glad that you included that story in the sermon because it needs, that story needs to be told over and over again. It was so amazing. <laughs> um, you did open talking about stories and talking about the stories that you wanted read to you when you were a kid. And I'm wondering now that you have little kids of your own, do you, are there stories at home that major, I guess Mem's not asking for a story yet, but major in particular, is, are there stories he wants you to read all the time? Yeah. So, I mean, he likes the, um, he's not really been a fan of, are you my mother? I mean, I think he's kind of whatever, but he loves <laughs> anything having to do with like there's a series of books, a uh, good night, good night construction site. Mm-hmm. And there's probably half a dozen in this series kind of that deal with the same, like the excavator and the skid steer and all the dump truck. And so he's a big fan of those. Um, and someone recently gave us good night Atlanta and it kind of goes mm-hmm. through all of the um, kind of tourist sites in Atlanta, the Martin Luther King center, um, the state Capitol, the aquarium. And he really loves that too. And I actually really like that one because it's short and it, uh, <laughs> and it, um, you know, kind of, you get to see all the, you know, kind of this cartoon depiction of Atlanta, which is just really cool. And, and it's yeah. fun to see. Um, and you kind of, for, I, when you live someplace, you kind of forget all the stuff that's going on and the opportunities to be there. And it takes, you know, somebody from coming in, from out of town to visit and you're like, oh yeah. We have a Coke museum, you know, that's great for somebody or the human rights museum or something like that. And so that's, that's really fun. And so he's, he's into that, but he's definitely, um, like I mentioned, um, my parents said that, you know, I would ask, let's read it again. Let's read it again. And he's definitely in that tradition of when you finish, it's like one more time, one more time. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And that's when (laughs) having a short one is, oh, he also loves, um, the cat, uh, the big, uh, the, uh, Big Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good one. Um, and that's really fun. So, yeah, we liked that one too when we were, yeah, when the boys were little. And they, yeah, one of my kids went through kind of a car and truck phase. And so we were driving down the road and they would start identifying things and these cars. I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. I'm going to just take yeah. your word for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's, okay, let's get into Proverbs 31. And um, I I have a million questions for you. And so much of it, of course, comes from, I mean, to be fair, you read a passage that talks about a woman. um, And so much of my questions and perspective are going to come from the fact that I too am a woman. And so I just, as I was thinking about this and the questions that were continually coming up for me and looking at the passage, I, I, I started thinking, so as a man, then since you're a man and you're preaching on this passage that talks very specifically about women, I'm wondering if there were certain things and decisions that you had to make as you were preparing this, like, how am I going to approach this in a way that honors the text, but also honors the fact that you're not a woman, you know what I mean? Like, did you have to really be intentional about thinking uh, don't address this or do address this or like, how'd you make your decisions about where you wanted to go with this passage? 
good question. So I just feel like no one, no one's uh, doubting if I'm a man or not. So I like, like that. It was like fair. Like I, I'm not going to try to be who I'm not, or try to act like I've have more insight into what it means to be a woman or the feminine consciousness or something and so i just try to read it like you know i know i'm like a huge fan of i'm around a lot of really strong powerful women women of wisdom and i've really been blessed and i've learned a lot over the years and i've grown a lot of due to people you know w- women's influence on my life and just um learning and so i felt like i you know i think for the most part i think all my illustrations were about women um and I just, I, I kind of wanted to do that because oftentimes I won't even think about it on all my illustrations will be about men. And so, and I, you know, and I try to diversify them because I want, because we have a diverse congregation. And so I want people to hear people that they resonate with, whether they're old, young, um, you know, whatever race they are, whatever gender they are. Um, so they see themselves in the text or in the, and in the sermon. But yesterday, since it was Mother's Day and, um, you know, I think there's, I think, you know, there's just been a lot of anti-women uh, sentiment around. And I just want to kind of celebrate um, how the Bible celebrates women as mm-hmm. this embodiment of wisdom. And I don't think culturally we hear that very often. That's not, um, you know, I, you know, you hear about beautiful women, you know, or, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, caretaking women or, or, you know, or the traditional kind of tropes around femininity and womanhood. And I kind of want to be like, well, here's, I I just want to, I just wanted to celebrate what the text had to say that the Bible says, you know, that that this woman embodies wisdom and it comes and Proverbs culminates with that with two. And I only read the second, uh, the second example, the first example is just as powerful, but that's a Royal queen. And so right. I thought that was less relevant to us and it was still going to be tough to kind of cover the 22 verses, um, that we have. So, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Fantastic. So this is, as you're saying this, one of the questions that I thought about yesterday, ultimately what I'm asking you is, is the passage specifically and in particular about a woman and you talked some about how important it was like this particular passage that it was about uh, an israelite a regular person um but you also talked about how the it culminates the embodiment of wisdom but then and your examples were all women so i guess do you think that this passage is specifically and in particular about a woman like there's a reason it's about a woman or it's about a particular woman or do you see what I'm trying to ask is it I guess I'm trying to think is it more um concrete or is it a little more abstract this particular passage and so it's just telling us what wisdom looks like and it's in being embodied in a woman or it's more specifically about women a woman so I mean do I think that this past there was a woman named Susie that it's about I I, I don't think it's that concrete but I do think it's trying to take a lot of these abstract ideas and show concretely how they're embodied in a life, in a human being's life, in that, in a mm-hmm. particular culture, in a particular context. And Proverbs really function, and this is not just the book of Proverbs, I'm talking about Proverbs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very uh, localized, they're in culture, they're on the ground, 
And um, they, a proverb tells you about the culture that, it's, that it grows out of because it's a shorthand. It's a, it's a rule that you can follow. And, and, it, and once you take it out of that culture and put it in a different culture, it doesn't work. So for instance, so in America, we, um, uh, we have a proverb. We say, business is business. Right. Business is business. What does that mean? What? Well, if you use that, like, let's say in a culture, like, let's say we're Ubuntu, this African concept, I am because we are, and it's very much more communal. Business is business. is not, or if you're in like a communist country and you use business is business, they're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense. Or how about this one? Two words. Time flies. Time flies. In America, that says a lot. Like, we, it's fast. It's fast moving. It's fast paced. And you feel like it's getting away from you. But in slower, like agricultural um, cultures, time flies is not going to make any sense to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these proverbs in, are, are rules of thumb about a culture. And I think the book of Proverbs 31, chapter 31, is about these rules of thumb in a particular life, what they look like um, in this woman's life. Now, why they chose a woman, I don't know. I think, um, I think wisdom is, well, I know in the new, in Greek, Sophia is, is definitely feminine. I think it's neuter in the Hebrew, um, hakma, I think is the word. I'm just doing that <laughs> on my head. Oh, but, my Hebrew's not good enough to correct you. So we'll just go with it. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. Okay. So let's say something interesting, try something else interesting. So what we've seen recently in post-modernity is there is a return to the pragmatic and the on the ground, the in culture. There's um, hyper-local, um, you know, uh, think globally, act locally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. idea. Whereas in the Enlightenment, there was this move towards universals. So you think of like Kant's categorical imperative that there was this thing that every, there was this belief that everybody should act in a certain way. That um, there was no, there was these universal truths, um, these universal ethical requirements. Um, there was this uni- universals, the way everybody should be. Okay. Well, what we discovered is, and what postmodernity taught us is, well, that was often from a, a particular viewpoint. And it was used in colonialism, like when the British go to India or, um, you know, uh, Europeans come to North America. Yeah. Well, this, our, we're trying to make universe like as if it's God ordained, you just like us, okay? And I think what post-modernity has done is it say we need to return to the local, the smaller, the on the ground. Um, and so Proverbs are returning culturally. We use them more and more and more often. And I think there's the, the uh, uh, American uh, Dictionary of Proverbs. I think it's got like 10 or 11,000 Proverbs that are used. Um, so we'll hear a lot of them. Um, now, but there's philosophically, there's been this push from, you know, these universals to the particular. And I think, um, the book of Proverbs comes out of a culture that's really cares about the particular, um, and, and what the wise life looks like. And so this woman in Proverbs 31 is the embodiment of what a wise, wise person looks like. Um, I'm totally tracking and actually not disagreeing at all. I'm just wondering, does that raise application issues? We are moving away from kind of the universality 
and moving more into the particulars, then are we, how do we know how we're going to apply it? Like what, what is supposed to be applied universally and what is more specific or particular? Well, it's funny you'd ask that, Lindsay, because that is the question that requires wisdom, practical wisdom. And this is why I mentioned yesterday that it's the mother or the queen of the virtues, because practical wisdom is the one that tells you, okay, so remember, we have four cardinal moral virtues. So you have practical wisdom or prudence as one, then you have temperance, courage, and justice, okay? And then you have three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, okay? What practical wisdom does is it helps you balance. When do you need temperance and how much temperance? When do you need to show courage? What does the courage look like? Justice, to give someone their due. Well, what does, what does a situation require of me to give someone their due? And so you find that through experience, through observation, through uh, you know, self-reflection and experience. Um, I think it was, I think I read this last week that John Dewey, who famous educator uh, in America, 20th century, I believe, he said, um, he said, experience doesn't educate you, educate you. Reflection upon experience educates you. Okay. And okay. so, and that's a pretty big insight in difference, that reflection upon experience. And this is why, you know, the week before when we were celebrating our seniors and sending them off to the next stage, I said, you know, live boldly, live, take risks, make mistakes. Just don't make yours or other people's mistakes twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and so I think Proverbs 31 is trying to show really like all that's gone before is trying to show concretely how it might be lived out in a human life. And it's really, um, it's a, it's a celebration. Uh, you know, it's a really glorification of this woman. I mean, it's so energetic and the, the language is so effusive and celebratory that I think it's a really beautiful way that's saying, look at what this woman does, you know? And I think very, um, and some of the commentaries, I don't think I mentioned this yesterday, a bunch of the commentaries say, you know, this is not all of these virtues and this, uh, you know, could be embodied in one single person. But this mm-hmm. is a representative type of celebrating what we aspire to. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So like a thousand things have popped into my head, but one of the points that I wanted to make sure that we made, and since you brought it up, I, I want to make sure we say it really um, pointedly is I think, I think it's really important to remember that there is not a human anywhere, man, woman, or otherwise that can embody all of those things all at once. I think that we have, okay, I will speak for myself. I won't make like a big universal thing, but so as a woman who is married and has kids and works full-time and volunteers in the school and tries to stay connected to the team sports and dance classes and all the things, like there is a pressure to, I feel a sense of pressure to embody all of those things all of the time. And, um, you know, I need to, like you were saying yesterday, I got to contribute to the bottom line. I got to stay in business. I got to be charitable. I got to be active. And sometimes reading that passage is really overwhelming because you read it and you're like, how, how is a human supposed to live all of these things out? So I, I think that's an excellent point that you're making. And, and, and I think it's important for us to say that this is what we're figuring, what wisdom is, is helping us navigate through all of these different things and not trying to embody them all at once. 
I think I had this, I had this mentor one time who told me you can have, you can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. <laughs> that was a really, I thought that was such a wise um, piece of advice. And, and I think that that's part of what we need to remember when we look at this particular passage in Proverbs is we can do all of these things. We can embody all of these things at different points because we, we need to embody them all at different points in time. We don't, you, you don't need to be active in business your whole entire life or whatever. It's, there's different things that are needed at different points. And to your point, like being wise helps us to navigate when it is that we're pulling on each of those different aspects that that woman yeah. in Proverbs 31 embodies. Yeah, I think it was like 10 years ago about this woman, Anne-Marie Slaughter um, wrote an essay, maybe in the Atlantic, it was circling around the internet. It was like, um, can we have it all? And we being women, can we have mm-hmm. it all? And it was a mm-hmm. huge debate, mostly among like pretty like upwardly mobile um, middle to upper class women, you know, who had, you know, try to be successful at their job, a successful parent, successful, you know, community member, you know, try, and how do you juggle it all? And is it possible? And that was, and it was, and there was a lot of um, a heat. I don't know how much light was coming from the uh, disagreements <laughs> online, but um, it was, I tried to stay out of the crossfire. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think, you know, it, it raises, because in America, we have this idea, you can be anything you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, at some point, we all bump up to the fact that that's not the case. That, right, right. You know, we are a finite human being. You know, we are we're made of flesh and bones and we break down, we have anxiety. There's only mm-hmm. so much time. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, that's where, why it requires wisdom to know what we can do now and what needs to be put off till later and what needs to never be done. Um, well, and maybe also the wisdom to not listen to the voices that are telling you to do all of the things too, you know, like I can make my decisions, but then there's always going to be people who want to run commentary on the choices I've made. And so I guess part of wisdom is deciding who I'm listening to in those times as well. Well, that is, that's a great point. And I think choosing your community and the voices, you know, who are kind of like the soundtrack of your life, yeah, yeah. Uh, who you're listening to are really important. I mean, honestly, this is why I advocate for like a healthy church, right? That hopefully the church is a place where it recalibrates you every week to what's mm-hmm. important, what you should value, what you should truly care about. And it reorients you. And that's why it's important to be there every week because it's, because the other six days is pushing you in other and pulling you in other directions. They're not going to be mm-hmm. good for you um, if you give in to all of them. Um, and so uh, that's why the church, I think, can be hopefully a really um, a corrective place um, where, where we have mentors, we have community, we have cheerleaders, um, support, um, and we get to do that for other people. Right, right, right. And, right. You know, and that's, uh, that's really important. Which, and now I'm kind of veering and I promise we'll come back. But so on the flip side of that, right, that is why it can be so damaging when the church isn't those things. So if you're in a, in a church or a community that doesn't, doesn't, or your small group or whatever, if it's not encouraging you and not helping you. Yeah. That makes it really difficult. Um, Okay. And I, 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 so to that conversation to pull that into one of a really specific example that you gave, I thought was so interesting. And so I, I want to make sure that we circle back to it, but this idea of this almost, well, I don't want, not, not necessarily a double meaning, but a, a 
maybe a broader meaning than I had thought about before to this concept of slothness. Um, that not you're not just laying around, but any basically it's aimlessness, right? Whether it's a lack of activity or overactivity um, that is not really taking you anywhere. And that that's a kind of exactly what we've been saying is you think through how you're going to fill your time. Wisdom is knowing like what's going to be productive and take you in a helpful place and what's just aimless. Um, and so I'm like, I spent so much time yesterday trying to decide which things I do that are aimless busyness and which things are really helpful. And so I'm wondering how, do, how, how do we discern that? How do we decide, well, this is not getting me anywhere or this, this is accomplishing something or because I can justify a lot of stuff that probably I'm just staying busy, but I can justify that it's doing something helpful. So how, how do we be thoughtful, wise and discerning about that? Well, I think, I mean, I think as soon as you ask the question, almost all your work is done. That sloth is, is absent-minded. It's like absent-mindedly not caring about your life, mm -hmm. whether that's mm -hmm. sleeping, you know, being lazy and not using the time you have or um, aimlessly running around and not getting anywhere. So mm -hmm. I don't think sloth is like, so let's talk about like leisure or play. Um, it's fine, you know, to, to go sit on the beach, you know, lay out in the sun. It's fine to go on a walk through the woods. It's fine to play a basketball game. It's fine to go to a sports game. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Sloth is not intentionally doing it. Sloth is, is going to the game when you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think, once you even ask, am I being aimless right now? Then you can say, yeah, I'm letting like, I have aimless time. <laughs> you know, uh, some of the best time where I get sermon ideas and, you know, uh, kind of thoughts and stuff is, is when I'm just letting my mind roam free. But I'm doing it in such a way, hopefully, that is in a direction. And it's not, mm. I'm not just letting my time go away. Um, get away from me and so i think once you even ask the question that's that's almost you've almost solved your problem yeah yeah we at the beginning of this well coming out of quarantine we really struggled with that at our house because in quarantine we felt like we didn't that we wanted to do more we wanted to be out more and so when we were coming out of quarantine we said yes to everything i mean if someone was doing a something uh, this organization you want to join this or do that we said and so at the beginning of the school year, I realized that our family calendar was so packed and just overwhelmed. And so we actually had a lot of conversation around this, like, okay, what are we doing? Just be, and, and they were really good organizations we were joining. It's just that it wasn't, there was so much that it was, yeah, we weren't being thoughtful and intentional about our time. We were doing things because we just were trying to get things done, I guess. I don't know, or fill it somehow. Yeah. And I mean, well... When you got a couple of kids, you got, you know, two people that work. I mean, there's just a lot going on and everybody, um, you know, when you're as fun as the Slocum family, everyone should be <laughs> a part of their, you know, their activities and clubs. So you got a lot of pressure, a lot of demand on your time. No, no, they, they just need somebody else to volunteer for something. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but it needed to be, we need to be thoughtful and intentional mm -hmm. about that time. I, I think that's in it. And I just really particularly love this idea of our, the intentionality behind how we're using our time, tying that to wisdom 
um, because I think that that's such a manifestation of our wisdom is what we're going to do with our time and how we're using it. And um, so anyway, I just thought that that was a really lovely and specific application that you pulled out yesterday and um, in a way I hadn't thought about it before. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I did, because I don't think about it too. I don't think a lot of us think of sloth in that way. Um, and mm-hmm. I think in a place, you know, North Metro Atlanta, most people like laziness is probably not their problem. I mean, maybe some people, yeah. but I think people are pretty overbooked, over committed. Um, and so that's, I think, and that's me trying to use wisdom about as I kind of observe the culture we're a part of. Um, right. So hopefully that was helpful for some folks. Right. It's a good reminder for Yeah. Me. Well, I mean, for a man preaching on this passage that talks about women, I thought overall you did a really good job. So I appreciate you sharing with us yesterday and all of your wisdom about wisdom. Um, We're moving out of the book. We're staying in Proverbs literature. I mean, sorry, wisdom literature next week, but we're moving out of Proverbs into Ecclesiastes, which will be fascinating. Yeah, I'm really excited. I I love the book of Ecclesiastes. meaninglessness meaninglessness all is meaningless vanity of vanities you know what and i'm really um and i think ecclesiastes really is clear clear eyed and clear sighted about the problem that all humans wrestle with if they're really true truthful about it and um so i'm excited to see uh what we might learn and how it might help uh focus the mind and the heart no, I, I, and I think it's, a, this is such a fascinating time to look at Ecclesiastes because I think we're living in a time where people are, there's kind of a sense of dissatisfaction about the way life is functioning, which is the whole theme through Ecclesiastes. And so yeah. um, hopefully that will give us some wisdom about what it looks like to kind of function in this particular culture that we're living in. I think so. Um, okay, and one last question then before we wrap up um, is just what what are you what are you doing right now? What are you interested in? What are you reading? What's what's what are you using? How are you thoughtfully using your time these days? What's interesting? What's good for Jeff? Well, I mentioned yesterday I just started um, the Jason Bourne uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> book. I realized uh, before I went on vacation, I was like, I've, I've been reading a lot of theology and stuff. And I was just like, I'm so tired of this. And I'm like, what have I not read? Like, what am I like, what am I like huge, like gaps in my reading is like mysteries and thrillers. Like, that's just not something nice. I've read a lot. So I went and bought a, um, so I did the, some research and found out like what the best, you know, books were. And so I, I, I bought um, John Le Carre's, uh The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, which is okay. kind of, um, Le Carre was probably the most famous uh, thriller writer. And he wrote a lot during, um, you know, uh, the cold war. And so I, uh, I read that book over my vacation and just had a blast reading it. And so I went and bought another, uh, one of his other ones Then I bought the Jason Bourne book. It was funny. And I got into those and then I was like, man, I kind of missed theology. So I'm going to go read some theology. So then I pulled out a book. I had, I'd stopped at page 50 and I started that. So I like to keep a bunch of things going, um, as I'm uh, kind of thinking about things and, uh, you know, Well, you're such a good reader too. I mean, you can, you can just digest so much information and hold on to it, retain it. It's amazing how you, how well you retain all that and, and then share it with us. So well, it helps yeah, that, keep you, know, you have to come up with 22 minutes of original content every week. It's like, <laughs> you got to have it. It's got to be coming from somewhere or you're going to have nothing to say. So hopefully it's worthwhile. 
Well, you do a fantastic job. Yesterday, being Mother's Day, we had several guests in worship, and um, I was standing right outside the sanctuary doors, and someone comes out, and she says, I haven't been here in a while. This new guy, Jeff, he is good. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> That's very sweet. We're very glad to have him. So <laughs> That's very sweet. Anyway, she was impressed. I'm just glad they still think I'm new. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's been here for a while and she'd come back to visit her family. And um, yeah. yeah so. so, well, it's just good to have people back and see people in person. I was just, just celebrated at home communion with a couple who faithfully watch every Sunday from their uh, comfortable couches because they can't get out anymore. And it yeah. was just you know, it was sweet that we're able to you know, use technology and um, continue to minister to folks. So um, hopefully we can continue and um, brighten some people's lives. Yeah. So I know that we are wrapping up. Let me just do one quick shameless plug then, since you brought that up for anybody who might be listening that is not local or um, has transportation issues or for whatever reason, coming inside the walls at 755 Mimosa is difficult. Um, we are, we're live streaming our services every Sunday, but we also have several Bible studies that offer a hybrid option. So you can join into a Bible study, even if getting here is really difficult for you, you travel for work or whatever, then you can still join, um, various groups. So feel free to get on the, the Roswell webpage and look and see, uh, and, or contact one of us and we'll, we can help people get set up. We, we would love for people to be able to join us from wherever. So great reminder. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, thanks so much for this conversation and for your sermon yesterday. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks, Lindsay.